0: Tuning in to another edition of the Business of Fun podcast. My guest today is Scott Friedman. He is the man behind Scott's Takes Hot Takes, and we wanted to talk about a whole bunch of stuff that's going on right now. Mainly, I just wanted to uh, have Scott on because I'm really proud of the work and the consistency he's taken in doing Scott's Takes. Uh, make sure you check out Booking Protect. I just got word yesterday that a new Booking Protect partner turned on the Booking Protect plugin with Audience View and made $16,000 in new revenue in their first week. So check them out, BookingProtect.com. Uh, Activity Stream has a brand new American office. I was probably the first person outside the organization to know. Uh, and so now we can start talking about some of the really cool stuff that we have planned for the fall. So check them out, ActivityStream.com, and check out the Activate email marketing platform. It is going to help you communicate now with your customers. And if you're interested, check out the nps worksheet net promoter score worksheet i created with my partners at event uh, understand what net promoter score is understand how to do a survey for yourself and understand why it is a incredible metric send me an email david dave wakeman.com and if you don't already make sure you sign up for the talking tickets newsletter you can get that at talking or by sending me an email dave at dave wakeman.com so back to scott Uh, We talked about a bunch of stuff. Uh, Scott is like me. He's been on the primary side, the secondary side. Uh, He talks a lot about ecosystems and having a healthy ecosystem. Uh, He produces three videos a week, which is far beyond anything I would consider doing. He's uh, incredible about doing it. Uh, He always finds like a, a weird and funny angle. On things like to make the videos Interesting right like he was out like Doing the thing at like four in the morning one time So a lot of fun uh, We talk about tickets we talk about sports Biz we talk about season ticket holders We talk about what his beef is With the Mets and Steve Cohen We talk about the mindset of the consumers And marketing orientation We talk about lower Prices higher prices uh, Aligning our goals between partners and the And primary Side content producers we talk, and then we do a round of hot takes. I mean, this is a pretty, pretty strong episode. So, uh, without anything else from me, check out my conversation with Scott Friedman on the Business of Fun. I want to welcome Scott Friedman from Scott Takes to the Business of Fun podcast. Scott, give me some hot takes, bro. What's up, man?
1: Dave, appreciate you having me on. And, um, no, lots of. Um hot takes as of late if you follow me on twitter and my youtube videos the last few weeks one of my biggest hot takes was stephen cone owner of the new york mets undercutting his season ticket holders and obviously having a horrific ticketing ecosystem across the board having six dollar tickets undercutting the season ticket holders and we're not even going to get into all the other dysfunction going on within his organization of on the field and calling out its hitters and the players calling out the fans. It's just an absolute train wreck to be a part of the New York Mets organization lately.
0: You know what though, as a Mets fan it's still better than when the Wilpons are on the team. So I, I it's still, a, it's still a positive man. And I have to say that, for um, at the jump, uh, I like the way you work in the plug for Scott's take at the very top. That's uh, something I, I, I have got to learn from because uh, you know, like I'm so proud of what you've been doing with Scott's takes uh, and the, the plug at the start is a, is really like bonus, man. That was awesome. Nicely done.
1: Oh, thank you. You know, you, know, I'm getting better and better and, and you know, just like creating content, I mean, three days a week and obviously seven days a week on Twitter, Facebook, really trying to, Get my name out there and um, really put out the best content possible, really between like two verticals, obviously sports biz, my bread and butter ticketing, obviously my keep it lean and clean, healthy lifestyle the last four months, and and obviously becoming a glorified, I guess, journalist the last few days of covering the Jake Paul fight this past weekend in Cleveland and working with folks such as yourself to really hype it up and get content for everybody, not just sports biz, not just healthy lifestyle, but encompass it into a full menu of, of awesome content that there's something for everybody to watch
0: well I appreciate it and I, and thank you for the t-shirt because i I try to keep it lean and clean as much as possible uh, you yes. know so I appreciate that um, you got it oh yeah so th- so this has been cool so you have like evolved so now you are an official journalist is that or an unofficial official journalist is that is that what happened when you went to the Jake Paul fight
1: Yeah, so I became an unofficial, official journalist when I went to the Jake Paul fight. So, um, yeah, crazy story. So um, I I got text messages all weekend from my brother, from my friends, from uh, my producers. Like, you're not even covering the hottest event in Cleveland, Ohio, like the hottest boxing fight in Cleveland, Ohio, since like Muhammad Ali fought at the Richfield Coliseum in 1975. So I literally went on, bought a ticket. I literally snuck in the press row, acted official, and just started plugging content, plugging vlogs, and um, really covered that Jake Paul fight. And I really thought it was very well done. As you know that I'm very fond of Barstool sports and what Dave Portnoy is doing on the business side. I mean, many people think he's a a hole and he has some controversial stuff, but he's just an absolute fire. And just to have Showtime, um, have him partner with Showtime, obviously promote his Barstool sports book, absolutely help sell pay-per-views for the fight, was very well done. And I I was actually extremely impressed of Barstool himself um, and really kind of going and really marketing to the younger uh, demographic. I mean, it was a very young crowd there. They ended up selling it out. They did a fire sale for $25 tickets to sell it out, but it still turned out to be a very well-executed event, in my opinion.
0: Very good. Now I know the story about how you ended up on press row too. You just snuck in, which uh, I,
1: remind- yeah. I was I, bold snuck in and I actually got kicked out right <laughs> before, um, the main event started. Once all the big time reporters came in, I, uh, I was asked to leave since I did not have a credential.
0: <laughs> I, it reminds me of the time when I was in college and I snuck into Pat Riley's first practice as the head coach of the heat. And oh, yeah? uh, my buddy, uh, Cullen and I, we, um, pretended to be a student journalist for the school newspaper <laughs> <laughs> and we got in we were on tv we were like there with the players and pat riley the whole thing it was amazing we were it was like so great we didn't get thrown out though scott that was the difference it was a simpler yeah. time though it was a simpler yep. time that was <laughs> awesome <laughs> so so let so let me so let me ask you this then right so um we we got a few things going down Right now, uh, and I, you know, I wanted to have you on because we wanted to talk about Scott's takes, which you know, yep. um, you you were like going, "Oh, should I do this?" And I was like, "On, you should definitely do this because I encourage right. anybody who's trying to do something to do it." Right, like you know, right. if you if the inclination is to act, act. Right. Um, right. You know, so like you 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 got up to three episodes a week, which is like way more than I can do, and that's like that's hard work. I mean, doing yeah. one a week is hard work. Yep it is yeah uh, so, you know, so that's pretty good and and i really like the way that like the hot takes are timely um you know they come from a different point of view than maybe I would bring or like a lot of people would bring because of your background. Right. So you were in college athletics for a long time. Uh, Then you were on the second and then you've been in the secondary market. Right. Um, Right. I guess I was in the primary market and then the secondary market as well, but I come from a different angle because, you know, my background is being a carnival barker in nightclubs at the start and like doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, What's the philosophy behind Scott's takes? Like, you know, it's, uh, you know, for like the business of fun and like the, Talking Tickets newsletter, I have a philosophy, right? And the, the philosophy is like, hey, look, you know, people need to be more strategic. Uh, Marketing is the most valuable thing, you, you know, for your business. Um, most of the time, people are leaving money on the table. That's, you, that's usually the philosophy that drives mine and, and treating your customers well. You know, what's your philosophy behind the stuff you're creating?
1: Yeah, great question. And I mean, most importantly, I mean, first of all, thank you for encouraging me to start it. And I've always wanted to put out thoughts and really be a great shooter, be authentic, and not worry about what other people thought of what I had to say. So, I mean, if you watch, I mean, Scott's takes on YouTube, and there's almost 50-plus videos out there as of right now, and it, it encompasses everything. Like we said, sports biz, keeping it clean, hot takes, me being a journalist. But going back to my bread-and-butter ticketing of, of working on the college side, working on the secondary side, I really – was fortunate to work for amazing people for a short period of time. I, I say this, I, I had a cocktail with Patrick Ryan from Event I had a cocktail with Curtis Chang at DTI, two amazing visionaries in, in different ways in the, in the secondary ecosystem. And what I've learned is that you need to have a healthy ecosystem and ticketing to Not undercut your season ticket holders, not undercut your fans, and have a distribution strategy of not just having tickets all over the place going down from 20 to 6, not having multiple brokers, having like 40 brokers and seeing that market decay and, and trading consumers to buy $6 New York Met tickets per se, which is happening in New York right now, which I've been talking about. So really... What I stress on that, and that's the bread and butter of Scott's takes, is that have a plan in place, hire the right people to blend your primary and secondary, and like you say all the time, Dave, protect your brand integrity. I mean, the last thing we want to do is train consumers to wait to buy tickets um and have them able to buy tickets for six dollars as it's great for the consumer it's horrific for the rights holder it's horrific for the organization to try to sell full price tickets to try to sell season tickets when your ecosystem is just all over the place and you're just being undercut from broker to broker fan to fan and you're not giving any leverage to sell full price tickets whether your team is in high demand low demand etc it kind of fits all realms of the possibility and i just see a lot of teams specifically in college football specifically in major league baseball that just don't look at that and just have horrific ticketing ecosystems over the last several years and we're training fans to buy tickets last minute
0: well let me let me push back on this thing a little bit too and and it, it probably in a way that i think you probably already expected i'm gonna gonna bring it mm-hmm. to you, is that, you know, you said that these cheap, cheap tickets are good for customers. And my mm-hmm. argument would be that they actually aren't. Because one of the key factors in pricing is the perception. And it's post-price perception that matters the most. And this does somebody feel like they got a good deal or not. In the moment, they might think that $5 ticket is a great deal. But if they go to a game where it's a $5 ticket and they're the only people in their section, have they really come out of the other end better? And I would argue that no, they have not, and that that that's a reflection of how poor attendance is, right? There's this theory that gets thrown around rather um, religiously, uh, I guess maybe not religiously even. It's like a cult like cult like devotion to the six dollar <laughs> ticket that you're talking about. And mm-hmm. oh, if I can just get people into the building, they're going to understand the value. Well, no, you've already you've already started down a road that is. Going to end in unsuccessfully, right? Because you've already taught people that the you know the value there is relatively minor, right? So you're you're you already created an environment where the perception is of a throwaway event, right? Whereas opposed to like when I was a kid, right? I still remember the first um, you know the first time I went to a Yankee spring training game, um, or the first time I, the first real live event I ever went to was the Hawks and the Bucks in like 1984, 85, something like this at the Omni in Atlanta, you know? Oh, no. Yeah. Right. Like old school. And, and yeah. how these things would, um, you know, they just like held such a huge importance in my head. Right. Uh, and, and some of that's lost, right. Because it, like you said, you're training people to wait till the last minute. You're training people that, you know, it, it's not a magical event. That's not special unless, For some crazy reason, there's like this huge max matchup, which is outside of your control, which if you're in branding and marketing or strategy, number one, there's no such thing as a commodity. And number two, it's your job to enhance the perceived value of your product or service, which doesn't seem to happen. Now, maybe I'm wrong or maybe I'm right, but I'm curious to hear what your take is on that.
1: Yeah, you bring up a great point there. And that's the great beauty of tickets is, I mean, there's no perfect way to price tickets. Everyone's going to pay a different price. But when you when you get down to the pricing of like a floor, like I think you bring up a great point. When you see a six dollar ticket on StubHub as a consumer, you're going to say that event really isn't worth going to because it's it's a cheap quality event. And I may not be willing just to go to it since nobody cares. It's a six dollar ticket. So you got to take the mindset of the consumer seeing that a $6 ticket on a StubHub or Vivid or whatever secondary site and saying like, you know what, this is kind of a cheap event. It doesn't seem like a lot of people are going. I'm not going to go because of that. And imagine if you just price that ticket instead at $20 as a floor, maybe that convinces the consumer's mind, at least would would for me that, oh, you know what, it's a $20 floor. This event seems better. I'm going to actually go to the event because it seemed to have higher perceived value for the brand. So, Dave, no, I think you hit the nail on the head there. You bring up a great point there that consumers seeing six dollar tickets is saying like, yeah, you know what, this isn't really a hyped up event. It's easy to get into. I'm not going to go because of that. So, you bring up a a great point there, and and I definitely agree. In some mindsets, seeing those six dollar tickets, you know what, it's not worth going because it seems like there's a lot of empty seats. It's not going to be a great event. Yada yada yada. So. Great point there. I mean, I really think – I mean, if I was running a team right now or any music venture, I mean, I would not let the floor go below $20. And I'm fine with eating the tickets. I'm fine not selling out. A lot of people might disagree with me. But you never should have a ticket advertised below the $20 price point, in my opinion.
0: Well, uh, and that's an interesting way that you you explained that because, mm-hmm. see, I would say – that yeah, you do whatever you want to, but it's got to fit into your strategy, right? right? And the big key for me, you talked about seeing it through the eyes of your customer, is obviously that's something I preach all the time. I talk about market orientation constantly these days because yep. you have to understand that you're not the person that defines the value of your event, your product, your service. It is the customer, that defines the value. And so if they don't perceive a high enough value, you have to really instead of going like, well, because co- this happens constantly. And I think, Scott, you you've been on both sides of the equation. So, you know, that this what I'm going to tell people is the absolute God's honest truth, uh, which is that like going, well, they just don't get it. The pe- These people are, are stupid. They don't understand. Uh, what's going, you know, like this, how how awesome this is or whatever. It's not their job to understand. It's your job to show them how valuable it is. And that's a problem, right? So the key is you have to understand. You have to be willing to step back, right? The first basic, most essential step of marketing is step back and look at what your market wants, right? So in your example of never having less than a $20 floor, my thing would be like, I'm going to research and ask people what they like really what they value and they need because maybe sure. a $20 ticket or a $10 ticket is perfectly fine under, but as long as I understand it through my strategy, what I'm trying right. to achieve, what I'm trying to do, you know, so I'm not necessarily because I know discounts are for dummies. is kind of my thing. It's right. not necessarily that I'm telling you that you shouldn't, you know, price really, really low. It depends. You know, I was at a, um, a baseball game recently and they had like college tickets right like so with the college id you get them for like nine dollar tickets something mm-hmm. like that but that and, and it was great because it brought all these kids all these college kids into one section or two sections right and the per caps were tremendous because the kids still were paying full price for beer you know so it, it really just depends on the strategy but I, but i do get get your point right it's like you have to be conscious of your brand you have to be conscious of your strategy yeah. It has to be specific to you. it can't just be general, and I think that one of the things that comes through to me, and you tell me if I'm wrong here uh, when you're talking through everything you're talking about is that these one-size fits-all approaches to to selling tickets to running events, to creating these brands, everything they don't work. Nothing's one size fits all you know everything needs to be specific and kind of created specifically for your business, but maybe I'm wrong
1: no i mean there's no one size fits all and people used to ask me that all the time when i was working in the secondary with events like dti like what's the perfect way to do a ticketing ecosystem every market every brand is different there's strategic ways to do types of ticket distribution deals and marketing strategies for every market so there's no one size fits all but like you said just really focus on the emphasis don't be afraid to fail try different things but just don't devalue your product don't have BOGO offers, don't have $5 tickets advertised to the masses. As you say all the time, too, they've utilize the secondary, too, to obviously protect your brand, protect your primary, protect your season ticket holders, and do it in the right way. Um, I mean, it's extremely, tickets is extremely complex, extremely complicated, but too many teams just discount, 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 And you're just training your fans to buy last minute. It's happening in Major League Baseball. It's happening in college football. It's happening in some of the other pro sports too. And it's just not a good ecosystem. And people may argue if the team's in high demand. I've seen markets in high demand for World Series, for ALDS, for NBA Finals. that The market's kind of flat because a team didn't have a distribution strategy. Check out my Brooklyn Nets hotcake from the James Harden viral stuff earlier this spring you'll see why too it's just you got to come up with a plan you cannot utilize discounts in a bad strategic way that's going to really train your fan train your consumers to wait for those deals for the future
0: here's the thing that i say about discounts right and again if you want i could create a my own, very own hot take video series about just discounts and pricing there's no doubt yeah. about this but the if i see a team discounting it means that it pretty much tells me they have a bad or no strategy. Right. Full stop. I mean, that's just what it says to me. For right? sure. Because, you know, there's no harm in repricing, right? There's no harm in, you know, changing your pricing structure. There is, you know, there's no harm in doing research because you should be doing research on pricing. There is extreme hard in doing price based discounts, right? Price based promotions are the fastest way to destroy your brand. They are the right. fastest way to undercut your profits, right? Like, if for, I've seen research, and the research varies. The guy who taught me about pricing, when uh you know, it's a guy called Mark Ritson. He's probably the most famous marketing professor in the world. His research said one per, every one percent in discount you did was forty percent of your profit gone. I've seen other research just because people go, oh, that's too crazy. Okay, so then you want some more standardized? This one percent cuts out ten to twelve percent. Right. Um, It's dangerous. It's stupid, you know, and it's a sign that there's no strategy there. I mean, it's absolutely the worst possible thing you can do for your business is heavily discounting, running price based promotions. Right. I mean, it is full stop. But before I go off on a pricing rant, I want to go back to this idea you brought up consistently Today, which is ecosystem. And I've talked about ecosystem, uh, you know, and it's nice to hear somebody else talking about ecosystem because I don't think people always get it, right? They don't understand, you know, they, it, because it's like a lot of words, right? Uh, you know, a like strategy has become a buzzword, right? Or marketing has become a buzzword because nobody knows what the hell it means. Right. Uh, to explain, to give us your working definition for ecosystem.
1: So, I mean, really, I mean, I love to utilize the word ecosystem. I get criticized for using it too much, especially from my brother, Kevin, who's um, who actually is director of ticket sales for the New York Red Bulls um, currently. Really, I mean, what ecosystem means to me is just like a a flat out area of just like how your distribution channels work. So it's really just blending the primary, blending the secondary, blending your marketing, just kind of encompassing everything within your marketing and sales strategy is what an ecosystem means to me. And really just being on the same page, I think it's so important. And for me being in the corporate world, me working for teams, me working for secondaries that all departments specifically in sales and marketing are on the same page. A lot of the time they aren't, a lot of the time they have different objectives. So just kind of encompassing an ecosystem of marketing sales um, tickets all being on the same page, all having that same objective and goal to blend correctly, execute correctly, not obviously be afraid to fail and, and try different things. But that's how I utilize or I see an ecosystem of just various departments working together, working consistently, working holistically, and obviously working healthy together to execute a great strategy in place.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, and I think that's a good jumping off point because, you know, I asked it because uh, let me let me blow some smoke up my own took us here real quick. For um, sure. Because, because, <laughs> because during the <laughs> pandemic, I took I took a, I took a, took some classes at uh, and one of them, you know, the joke, because I think I've told you this joke. I go, oh, I took this this strategy courses so I could go like, what is Dave, what do Dave and Charles Darwin have? In common, and that's like we both studied at Cambridge. Uh, but you know, one of what I did study was corporate strategy, and the ecosystem thing really stuck to me. And you know, to build off of what you talked about, was that everybody's on the same page, you know it's not just internal it's external it's everybody working in accord to me this is my definition which i hope builds off Scott's, is you know it's an interconnected network of people like internal and external you know all right. that are creating value with each touchpoint right nobody is detracting value they're all adding value to the end consumer to the end customer right because if one person doesn't create value then the whole ecosystem kind of falls down you know exactly. and, and and that's what it means. I mean, that, to me, that's what it means, which is, you know, very, I think, you know, additive to what you're talking about, because most of the time, what, you, like you're saying, the marketing, the sales teams, all these people are pulling in different directions. And it's unfortunate because then it causes a lot of poor decision making. Right. And again, it's a sign of poor or no strategy or, you know, you tell me.
1: No, absolutely, and, and just working on the on the team side for years, and, and obviously having the other scope of it on the on the secondary. I mean, massive adventure. So, I mean, I think the biggest debate, at least in my career, has been like, should we try to sell out and and have lower ticket prices or have flash sales or, or or obviously get more revenue? So, me working with on the IMG Learfield side of the business, obviously, our objective as a company was to generate as much ticket revenue as possible. We didn't care about the units. We were all about the net revenue for a business and being judged on EBITDA of what we're bringing in on each property as I worked at Bowling Green and University of Illinois doing that. But then an administrator on, a, on the college side, you're like, you know what? I'm not so worried about the revenue. I just want to move more tickets and, and discount, et cetera. So that was kind of like my most frustrating part at times of dealing with being the middleman, dealing with both IMG, dealing with both the administration side of of coming up with plans to obviously make everyone happy. So really in a nutshell, it's, it's really just working together with your objective goals. A lot of people in college, obviously having worked in in the college side for seven years, rather comp tickets, rather put out fighter sales because they want their recruits coming in, seeing as packed of a house as possible, which I kind of found interesting and not really worried about their, ticketing ecosystem, which is a fair assessment, I guess. But I just couldn't stand that because I was always analytic. I'm always looking at the brand quality. I'm always looking at the discounts. And one of the things that pissed me off in the past when I was at University of Illinois, not throwing anybody under the bus is obviously group sales were our bread and butter for football is what we focused on most of the sales cycle throughout the 12 month calendar year is that marketing put out a five dollar fire sale for an xyz game then we have group leaders calling us saying like why did i pay a 40 dollar group ticket when i could have got these tickets for 15 or whatever it was at the time so i just don't miss that side of the business and if i ever jump back in working for a team running ticket sales being a vp of business operations i would make sure that would never happen we just all got to communicate holistically we all got to be on the same page and most importantly, we can't undercut our fans
0: yeah and, and I think what I heard in the, in your example that you just used to is that there is a mm-hmm. extreme danger of not having aligned goals and Exactly. That, you know and and I, actually I mean you don't even have to be very smart because I'm not that smart um, to be able to see like how that's playing out in real time if you pay attention to the world now right because one mm-hmm. of the things you know we're still um, the, the pandemic's not an old age yet, so it's not, it's not close to dying. I mean, we're still going to be dealing with this, I think for, uh, through the fall and the winter, right. um, you know, hopefully maybe this time next year, we'll really have put this behind us. Uh, I'm I not hope. yeah, I hope so too. I'm not a hundred percent certain, but yeah. one of the things I hoped was that people would take a chance to, um think through their strategies, be more strategic, be a little more thoughtful, a little more focused on making um, wise decisions. And, right. and you're already seeing that, no, like actually most of the time people just like completely were like going, I'm going to sit here, I'm going to do exactly what I've always done, uh, and I'm going to just hope everything will go back to normal. And so you're right. seeing it is a really dangerous environment for a lot of properties right now because what got you here won't get you to wherever you're going. And the, the stuff that worked in the past is not necessarily definitely, or actually it's definitely not working now. Um, you know, like there was a sugar rush of activity, um, but now that seemed to have subsided. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I don't necessarily know how people are going to adapt and recover. Um, you know, which brings us to the idea that you were talking about with the Mets and Steve Cohen, right. Mm-hmm. Or, or the football ecosystem, It, it you know, from your point of view right you worked on both sides yes you got hot takes man you're, you're the king of hot takes now <laughs> i i can't even touch touch you anymore with the hot <laughs> takes um i'm a much more elder statesman now here um you know a I'm, I'm moderate even in these things you know what's the first like what's the if you were in charge if you were king of tickets uh, you yep. know if i gave you the crown you know uh what would you, what would be the first thing you would try to do to help create a healthier ecosystem?
1: So for first thing I do, and, and I guess I'm stealing my good friend, Patrick Ryan's buzz from this, but I, I but I love it that the first thing I would do, if I took over to an organization for tickets or president business operations, whatever, whatever I was doing was to get on a big whiteboard and I would map out our entire sales strategy across tickets, across marketing, um, obviously across sponsorships on that vertical side of it, and figure out a plan in place of how we're gonna align and how we're gonna encompass everything together. So going back to ticketing, my bread and butter is if I'm working for a professional team, if I'm working for if I'm VP of ticket sales for a national football league team, I'm figuring out my season ticket holders, Were we selling season tickets? Were we selling group tickets? Were we selling premium tickets? How we're gonna blend our primary and secondaries together and go based on the data, go based on obviously the teams, and figure out a pricing strategy holistically that doesn't undercut anybody, that obviously helps us gain our bottom line revenue goals to get us there and. Obviously have pricers full-time, manage my secondary, hire a company like EventElect, uh, be a partner for many years to come with a ticket distribution strategy, negotiate a revenue share, and just lay everything out. My sales team is going to focus on selling these sections, these areas of the arena, and this is where we're going to focus on moving the secondary and, bl- and blending that with the primary and just having an overall healthy ecosystem where we can obviously price on demands, on variable, and adjust that accordingly 24-7, 365 days a year. So that's where I think it needs to be. And I think a lot of professional teams are doing great work, Eventilex doing great work, in working with these teams, having their proprietary software that Um, Auto price is 24-7 and keeps engaged with the team by sending them the data, sending them the reports, and just flat out not undercutting everybody and having a healthy ecosystem that's good for anybody. I don't care what the demand is. I don't care if it's high. I don't care if it's low. I don't care if it's flat. We're just on the same page of aligning and hitting our objectives and our goals.
0: I mean, you know, you know, I preach strategy before tactics yeah. all the time, so you know how this goes. All right, so let's let's do this though. Let's uh, let, let's get some Scott's hot takes, and I'll, I'll start out. I'll give you two. Yeah. Be, that way, I give you a chance to collect yourself since I'm springing this on you. But this is why they're hot takes because you respond in the moment. Okay. Yeah. So, so my first one is that. Um, the new approach from the federal government in the United States to antitrust enforcement is going to cause a restructuring of the ticket business, right? It's going to stop potentially stop some of the mergers and acquisitions that have happened, and right. a, potentially that um, they could come in and proactively break up some of these organizations to create a um, much more diffused uh, ticketing ecosystem. Number one, mm-hmm. second. Actually, I'm going to give you three. I'm going to I'm going to go all in on the third. Oh, wow. one. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm go really, three. Yeah, Scott, you're gonna get this. This is gonna be great. So uh, number number two is that attendance won't rebound until 2024 at least. Uh, I am not. I I um, am not at all bullish on is, is yeah bullish is the right way on on attendance and people's mm-hmm. ability to sell all these tickets. You know, mm-hmm. I I've looked at the the raw data on the economy. There's just like more more availability than there are people who could potentially go, Uh, you know. So I think the attendance is going to be a really, really a long term problem because it's going to take a long time for people to realize that like, hey, maybe our strategies aren't working, or we can't make changes, or you know, there's going to be there's going to have to be an extended period of pain. I think before people really like get get their acts together, and then finally, I believe that, but for 2025, we're going to see at least one team in the United States have to declare bankruptcy. Great hot takes. So let's Yeah, I don't even Uh, know if those are really going to be good. I just was like, let me think of some really good hot takes I can give you.
1: I love it. No, this is fantastic. And and starting with the bureaucracy of like ticket restrictions and and so forth, obviously it's been going on for some time. It just hasn't started, but I'm not very... Found of the United States government. You don't see me talk a lot about politics on Scott's taste because it's just really just against my, my realm, but really in, in a nutshell with these, all these restrictions and ecosystems, we've always already seen it with the trade desk lawsuit in the music industry about three years ago. It's going to continue to come. And there's going to be mergers and obviously with StubHub and Viagogo, that merger, obviously it's a mess in a, in a lot of ways, obviously horrific timing by Eric Fuller of requiring StubHub with COVID-19 hitting us. But um, all that stuff's always going to be around. It's always going to happen. It's just pure stupidity from the United States government doing it because it's just like, it's more, they're losing tax dollars on them for not for restricting it and, and and just the revenue just doesn't make sense so i think the u.s government would tick and just, just stay away from it let these rights holders let these private owners do what they want to do to protect their ecosystems and obviously most of them are private companies you can argue that most universities are owned obviously by their state and by the state so it gets a little bit more murky and twicky but in my opinion it's just flat out stupidity of what the U.S. government is doing with that and just these teams are just going to have to deal with the adversity of the restrictions the rules and I think people are going to continue to need to fight the fight like the Don materials of the world that really stand out, have a point, have the um, NETB just fight the stupid laws that are in place because it's really not doing anybody a favor. So um, pure stupidity but it's the world we live in. We have to fight through those adversities and fight through those realms but Pure stupidity on my end. I hope that the U.S. government lays off those stupid restrictions that are just like harming these companies, harming ticket brokers, harming the entire ticketing ecosystem by putting those laws into place. Number two. So let with,
0: me let me let me let me let me stop you before you get to number yeah. two because I want to. So so you're making a your my prediction and your prediction aren't opposed to each other. They're different. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. You're talking about like putting. Um, restrictions on the ability to sell tickets and i'm talking about injecting competition in the market just so everybody's clear we're not we're not fighting each other here we're we're like two sides of a, of a different coin is that right
1: yeah I, yeah for sure and i guess i'll cover that on a little bit more there on the competition with merges i don't i don't believe in monopolies per se but i give credit to like the big guys, the Jeff Bezos of the world, the Elon Musk in the world that have just created amazing companies and are literally dominating the world. So if you talk to me a year ago, I would say no monopoly, no mergers, let it be fair for everybody. But in the world we live in, it's unfortunately a dog-eat-dog world. And the, and the people that do the best, that grind the most, put out the best ideas, have the top business. So I'm not really opposed to Mergers, it's its obviously happened a lot. It's happened with IMG Lutterfield on the multimedia end of the business. They're kind of controlling the landscape of sponsorships, obviously big in the ticketing sector too. But I think if they can get it done and, and they have the best solution possible, I think that the US government should say, you know what, they're doing things right. They're helping folks out. Let them have it. It's obviously a case-by-case situation. But I'm not opposed to if somebody's Doing a great job with it to prevent these mergers from happening.
0: Okay, no, that's interesting, and uh, yep. I would take the um, I, of course, am an old school, like way, way old school in this. So I would mm-hmm. tell people to re- pick up the book called Fulfillment, and it's about um, you know how Amazon has come to dominate the economy. Mm-hmm. And I think that, like, if you read the book and you, instead of substituted, let's say, Amazon, which people are like, oh, Amazon's so great, so innovative, so whatever, and you put in Walmart or you put in some other less popular company, you would be right. like, oh, holy shit, let's let's break these people up. Uh, you know, I am, you know, number one, Catherine is a uh, huge, like, big-time antitrust attorney. So, like, I, I you know, through osmosis, I get a lot of understanding of the pluses and minuses of antitrust law enforcement and sure competition and lack of competition but i would just tell people go check out you know fulfillment the, you know mm-hmm. read the book uh and substitute instead of wall uh, walmart for amazon or uh ticket you know live nation for wall for amazon and if you th- and read through it with like without your Amazon hinted glasses on. And I think mm-hmm. you would have a, a, a really like a much different view of Amazon and Jeff Bezos as a company uh, and mm-hmm. a, as a person. It, you know, it, it was very, very eye-opening. And then the way I framed it to my thinking was I substituted other people for it in there mm-hmm. to say if, if other people were doing this that were not necessarily, um, you know, seen as innovative or like, you know, thoughtful in this way, what would I think? And the thing is is like I, you, I'd come away with a very negative view of their habits, right? because again, don't pay their taxes, um, you know use their their power to like put small businesses out of you know out of out of business right like in, in kind of nefarious ways. I mean you know there's a lot of like underhanded stuff right It's like going, if you can win, win. but if mm-hmm. you win because you have a, you know an unfair advantage or mm-hmm. you know something of that nature, I don't necessarily know if that's good for the customer, the economy, um, but it's probably good for the business and the shareholders.
1: Yeah, great point, too. You can definitely argue both sides of that vantage point of of the the pros and cons. But, I mean, for me, I mean, before we move on to the number two, I mean, literally I I do 100% of my shopping nowadays on Amazon. I find the best deals on Amazon compared to any of their competitors. So if I see that as a consumer, I'm going to buy everything on Amazon. And I, and I price check on Amazon, Walmart, and 99.9% of the time, I find it the cheapest on Amazon. They're able to figure out as a consumer, I'm going to buy on Amazon. But, no, you bring up a good point. Be well, I'm not it. saying
0: I don't buy everything off of Amazon either. I'm just saying <laughs> that, like, I, I'll, I I can hold two thoughts in my head at one exactly. time. Exactly. Again,
1: yeah. it's a big business. Yeah. So it's a great debate. It's a fantastic yeah. debate.
0: So number two then. Yep.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, the COVID world we live in, Dave, it's it's absolutely devastating what happened. It's the ultimate um, worst thing that ever happened to the live event space, for sure. I definitely, it's going to take until at least 2024, God willing to end sooner for attendance to get back on track. I am definitely think that's the case. We already see Broadway plays in New York with them starting after Labor Day, way down in sales trajectory. That's obviously the older demographic that attends that show. So folks are definitely hesitant, especially the baby boomer generation of going back to live events full force. And it definitely created a setback, but there's no excuse of why that's, um, you know, have a great ticket distribution strategy going back to that. But the world we live in—it's—it's it's scary right now. The Delta variants, the cases are through the roof. I think we're in worse shape than we were a year ago with COVID, but we're kind of all living our normal lives for the most parts in in most parts of the country right now. So it's definitely murky waters, and I think that definitely it affects live events. It definitely will, and I would say it could—it definitely will be until after 2024 before we. Get COVID nineteen before we get into a consistent lifestyle of not living in this pandemic world we live in.
0: That's fair. I mean, that's I think that's one where we kind of agree on. And yeah, and I, and I would say so that we don't sound like Debbie Downers here. You know, on <laughs> on the on the flip side of this, right, is like it is a great opportunity though for new artists, right, new performers. It is. You know, so, um, you know, Hamilton, right, is a good example of how, like, something that was entirely unique and new came and it became a huge hit, right? So there's opportunity for stuff like that now, I hope, right? The other thing is, it's like, it's a great opportunity to rethink how your strategy, your marketing, sales, everything you do, right? Because some of this stuff has been going on the same way since I got started back in, like, you know, the early 2000s with Broadway, right? Yeah. you know and the final thing is like it's a really great way to look at new ways to deliver value to your audience and your customers right because if we've learned nothing is that like creativity is your key strength you know it is like your your secret weapon and god forbid if broadway and symphony orchestras and all these creative industries can't come up with creative ways to add value what 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 hope do the rest of us have
1: for sure and definitely like shows like Hamilton like the biggest show on broadway ever is definitely struggling to sell tickets and more than ever they need the Dave waitments of the world to figure out their ticket distribution marketing strategy because it's um they're not selling out their prices across broadway new york are extremely down and they were at their all-time highs in, in q1 of 2020 i saw that as a, at a front row seat at dti of really working a lot on that space and it's a challenge i'm a personally a huge fan of broadway i actually rather attend a broadway play than a sporting event as crazy as that sounds and i think that more than ever those old school mindsets of most broadway plays um and the companies need to be think outside the box and have a plan in place because it's not going to be easy moving tickets for the next couple of years in broad in broadway
0: yeah no I would not have painted you as a uh, bigger Broadway fan than than other stuff but that's good to know now I know. Um, now you Yeah. I there was a point in time where I had seen everything that was on Broadway. Uh I mm-hmm. hadn't seen any, anything of, as late I mean I well there's nothing on Broadway now but yeah though no, I mm-hmm. I uh Broadway is a truly magical experience and I don't necessarily it, think that It's always uh, marketed. I mean, they do a great job. They make a lot of money, but I still think they could do a better job of marketing.
1: They could do a 200 times better job. I mean, especially with the New York shows and you obviously have the tour shows. I mean, actually Cleveland, Ohio, where I'm based at, has all the great plays that come in, have a great theater district. And I went to see a choir of men, a show off Broadway. It was absolutely phenomenal. And nobody was there and they just like didn't market it. There was only... 50 people on the scene and it was a, a first class production and I'm not even I don't think COVID-19 is an excuse I think they can they barely market it nobody knows it's in town so just kind of going with ticket sales marketing 101 for some of these theater productions like they gotta like get with the program they gotta like have a ticket distribution plan they gotta have people in place I'm not just waiting to sell it and that's like the problem that I think Broadway has, and these theaters have around the countries that they just don't market, they don't sell, they don't have proactive salespeople, and they don't have a ticket distribution plan in place. They're just pricing the tickets like it's nineteen
0: eighty nine. I like that. That's a good hot take there, Scott. Yeah, that's that a good one. That was a A plus hot take. So yeah. final final hot take. Then what do we got? Give me number three. So-
1: Number three was, remind me again, 2025 U.S.
0: Oh, somebody's going to declare bankruptcy. Yes. Well, you didn't First, have to. You, you could build off your own, man. You can take your own hot take here. For you sure. Use mine. Come for on. For sure.
1: I uh, know. For sure. Well, I think that if I was a betting man, and, and I do like to gamble, as as most of you guys know if you tune in the Scott's Takes, that I would bet a large amount of money that a major professional sports team will file for bankruptcy um, before 2025 i think that there's just so much depth for a lot of these teams excluding the national football league which is a money-making machine at least currently but a lot of these major league baseball teams a lot of these nba nhl teams are far in the red and it's going to force I think a lot of owners to sell a team within the next four to five years. And I believe that you will see a story reported by Dave Wakeman by 2025 that (laughs) X because there's a lot of teams in the red right now.
0: So you're you're counting the big four. So Major League Baseball, NHL, uh, NBA, and NFL. Yep. Right, I, I'm pretty sure the NFL teams, that they, I would, if I had to put a bet, there, there's no way in hell that would happen for them. NFL,
1: NFL no. But uh, Major League Baseball, NHL, NBA, we will see somebody file for bankruptcy. We'll, we will see an owner file for bankruptcy before that. Hot
0: today. takes, I like it, Scott <laughs> Friedman. So where do people find you, man?
1: So you guys can find me, follow me on Twitter, Scott friedman 3 Instagram, SFriedman1900, Google YouTube, on scott's take. subscribe to my channel you will see fantastic fun content for everybody three days a week for videos seven days a week content i'm grinding i'm working hard i'm persevering i'm not afraid to call somebody out so tune in and um, i enjoyed our conversation as always dave
0: Calling people out, that'll be the next round. That'll be round two of of, of Scott and Dave on the podcast.
1: (laughs) The utmost respect um, in person. So no one's – before we go, no one's had the guts to like – a big level person hasn't had the guts to challenge my take on an issue. I'm just waiting for that day to come to literally tear me a new one. I'll tell you, they
0: never do it, actually. They only do it like – Um, behind your back. That's, that's how it works.
1: World works. I understand.
0: Yeah, no, no, no. It's, uh, you, 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 people, people like the, the, people will take shots at you. Uh, and then like people will never challenge your thing. And then they, when you're right, they never come back and tell you you're right, Scott. It's just like all all of the,
1: of course. Yep.
0: I was going to say uh, there, and I won't name this person, but th- th- this person knows who who they are, um, and, and they, yep. this, is, this is a friendly friendly story for that person. Uh, yeah. But we were we were at a game one uh, a few. It's been a while now because we've been in a pandemic for a while. Um, you know. And he goes to me. He goes, Dave. You know what? You have always been an asshole, but you know what? You're my asshole, and I, you know, and and that's just sort of how it goes, right? You you know you're, you know you you might be. Um, and I'm, this is my advice to you because I'm very proud of what you're doing um you know Thank and I'm, I'm i'm so i'm I'm really happy to see you know you start to get traction with Scott's takes and everything else um yeah. you know and I'll say this so everybody can hear this, but you know it's like it's very easy to take to take shots. it's very easy to mm-hmm. um you know to say oh my like you know a lot of things. You know, it's, it's not always easy to like share your ideas or share your perspectives or, um, you you know, try to make, you know, try to do things that are, um, create change. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, eventually though, you know, if you're, if you're consistent, you're going to be wrong. That's just the truth. But you're also, you're never right if you don't take a chance, you know, and that's all, you know, that's all I do. That's all you do is like, try to be thoughtful. I try to be consistent. Mm -hmm. I never make it personal about anybody. It's because it's never personal. It's always about the work, you know. Yep. And 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 I'm as wrong as much as often as anybody else, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know, and it's it's tough. But like people, you know, people they don't they they, they do take shots, but they never take them.
1: They never that take. On.
0: Them. Never had yep. on. never never head on Scott. Never head on. <laughs> Only behind Fuck. the back, man. <laughs>
1: of the day when somebody uh, challenged me to my face not behind my back i know that's the world we live in but I'm, I'm looking forward to the day where somebody goes on twitter and literally hears me a new one that's when i'll know i made it right
0: <laughs> exactly well yeah, <laughs> yeah it's usually when you get the emails behind your back that's when you know you've made it but scott man <laughs> that too. That too. thank you so much for doing this man
1: Thank you, Dave. It was a pleasure and um, love what you're doing and um, look forward to uh, talking to you again soon.
0: What did you think of my conversation with Scott? Send me an email. Let me know. It's daviddavewakeman.com. Check out my brand new and improved website. It's davewakeman.com. Make sure you get Talking Tickets at talkingtickets.substack.com or email me, daviddavewakeman.com. Five stories each week, 100th episode edition. is coming up on Friday. Don't want to miss it. Uh, check out Booking Protect. Uh, Like I said at the start, found out a new partner signed on this week and got $16,000 in new revenue. Uh, The numbers on refund protection are through the roof right now, Uh, double at least what they were before the the pandemic started. So check them out, BookingProtect.com. Make sure you check out the Net Promoter Score Worksheet that I created in partnership with my friends of the Uh, understand what net promoter score is, why it's important, and get some context. It's a simple worksheet, three questions. You can gain incredible customer feedback. You can get that by emailing me, daviddavewakeman.com, and I'll set you up. And finally, check out my friends at Activity Stream. Uh, Activity Stream is opening in their first American office, uh, and that means that we are going to have some really fun stuff coming up in the fall as uh, the office gets Established. So check them out, ActivityStream.com. Check out the Activate Email Marketing Platform. Uh, and as always, thank you so much for being here. Um, I'm going to try to get back to a more regular schedule now. Uh, if you got any thoughts or ideas or suggestions on guests, send them my way, DavidDaveWakeman.com. You know the offer still stands though. If you need somebody to talk to, to chat with, I know it's still tough for people. Uh, I'm here for you. So let me know, okay? And until next time, I'll take it. Take it easy. I'll talk to you soon.